Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. So I wanted to bring a teaching out of the life of Jesus, out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 5. And if I could just set the scene for a moment. Jesus has just begun His public ministry. He's begun His public ministry for a process where He was filled with the Holy Spirit when He was baptised by John the Baptist and He's led out for 40 days and 40 nights into the wilderness. And it says that as He's led, He's led by the Spirit. So He's filled with the Spirit, but then He's led by the Spirit. And it says that He comes back empowered by the Spirit. It says something to what God has available to us, that He is wanting to fill us with His Spirit. And as we learn to be filled with His Spirit, it's commonplace to be led by His Spirit. And as He leads us by His Spirit, He empowers us by His Spirit. And so one of the principal things that Jesus started to do as He began His public ministry was He started to call followers. And the significant thing in the culture of Jesus' day is that when He would call people to follow Him, it wasn't a matter of Him just gathering a posse or a group to make Himself feel good. It was not like Jesus was looking for followers on Instagram. That is so not what it was like. Jesus, when He's looking for followers, is not going up to people like Cookie who has a better beard than me and saying, will you please follow me on Instagram? You do follow me on Instagram, don't you? (laughs) That's not the type of followers Jesus was after. When Jesus came to people and people who were in their day-to-day life, who were living their lives, who were, like Pastor Claude said, marketplace people. I think it's significant that Jesus did not go to any religious leader and invited them to follow Him, He looked for those that had been overlooked and He invited them. And when Jesus said, follow me, one of the most significant things that you find in Scripture is that almost everybody Jesus said, follow me to, they dropped what they were doing and left it to follow Him. Why would they do that? In the culture of Jesus' day, often the males would go through school, young ladies were not allowed to go to school And they would go through education on the Bible, the Old Testament, and they would have to memorise whole portions of it. And they would get tested in their local synagogues. And if they were good enough, what would happen is they would put them on show and they would invite rabbis who were travelling teachers to come by and inspect and observe the young people. And if they were good enough, a rabbi might go to a young person and say, come follow me. And it was the greatest honour for a family because what that meant is when a rabbi said to a student, come follow me, he was actually saying to the student, come and be like me. Don't just follow me, come and be like me. Everything that I can do, I'm gonna teach you how to do. It was an invitation to apprenticeship. It was an invitation to build off a rabbi. That's why it was so valuable. And that's why when the people we see that Jesus called, He called people like tax collectors, He called people that were fishermen who we'll look at in a moment. We already know that these people have been passed up by every other rabbi in their life. Because the reason they'd gone to that style of work meant that they weren't good enough. They'd not been chosen. Jesus goes to those that others would say are not good enough. And he says, come be like me. And so we see some of the people that Jesus ministered to. I want to read this portion of Scripture and then 
work backwards on what it means. But the title of this message is Fill Your Boat. Can you say that with me? Fill your boat. Listen to this out of Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genseret with the people crowding around Him and listening to the Word of God, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out to deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore. They left everything. They left everything and followed Him. I believe it's the heart of God to fill your boat. He's looking to meet us where we're at. Peter did not have to go to a place that others had said was holy ground. Jesus came and met him where he was at. Jesus came and called him in the midst of what he was doing. That in the heart of God, I wanna say to you, there is nothing, there is no separation between what people would call spiritual and secular. Everything is spiritual. Because wherever you are, God wants to meet you and He wants to work through you. And He wants to fill your boat. I think that's a significant thing. I think that's something that's easy to miss. That this idea that God would wanna take away and leave you with nothing is a false teaching. It is not the heart of God. God wants to fill your boat. He wants to fill your boat to such an abundance that you have more than enough, that you are in fact astonished at how good God is. That is a picture that Jesus gives here. A picture that I know goes against the norm. A picture I know that is cutting against the cloth that says, now it's God's will for you to suffer and do without. See, I was a missionary in Cambodia for a few years and we used to joke around about the life that we had to live and the life that we lived is we lived by faith, which meant that my wife and I, we went over to Cambodia with our first lot of long service leave because I'd worked as a McDonald's store manager for 10 years. And so that long service leave paid for our entire first year in Cambodia. And that's how long we thought we were going for. But then we felt like God had called us to give our lives. And so we came back and all of a sudden we had to do something that missionaries always struggle with is raise support. 
And I remember a member of our sending church pulling me aside and saying, well, don't you know, in the old days, missionaries used to get given used tea bags. And they're using that example because they wanted to give us their leftovers. That is not the heart of God. You are not a leftover. Others may have looked over you. Others may not have chosen you. But Jesus goes where you are at and He chooses you. And He chooses you for the purpose of abundance, of more than enough. He wants to fill your boat. But in this Scripture, I think there are some keys on what it means to position ourselves so that God would fill our boat. Starts off by saying, one day Jesus is standing by the lake with the people crowding around Him, listening to the Word of God. Do you know that we live in a culture where it is so easy to get caught up, not just in the crowd, but the crowding around? I have a picture there of a massive crowd by the shore and Jesus is in the midst of them and they're all there to receive from Him or hear from Him, but nobody can hear with any clarity because there's so much going on in the crowd. I don't know if you've ever felt like that, that I know God is speaking to me. I know that there's something that He wants to say, but it's being crowded out. Maybe it's being crowded out by things that I think are good or healthy, but in the position that I'm in, sometimes I don't hear what he's saying. And in that, Peter allows Jesus to sit in his boat and he pushes it out the shore. Do you know that Jesus wants to speak through your way of life? I don't know if you've ever been around a professional fisherman before. My beautiful wife's brother-in-law was a professional fisherman for a season as we were dating. He was really tough. He had half his hand chopped off at a sawmill, had a few fingers left, and I wasn't as tough as him. But he was a fisherman for a number of years on the Menning River. And Rihanna would tell me stories that she would go out fishing with him. And I thought that was cool. Like you just throw out a lure. I mean, I'm not much of a fisherman, come on. Wind it in, fly fishing, it looks cool. What he'd do is he'd get up at midnight and go and lay nets and then he'd go to sleep and he'd get back up at 3am and he'd go and pick up nets. And this whole idea of being a fisherman was actually a way of life. It wasn't just a vocation, it wasn't just a job. It was actually a way of life. And it's significant for me that Peter, in allowing room for Jesus to cut between the crowd, gives Jesus use of his way of life so that Jesus can speak with clarity, not just into His life, but into the lives of those around Him. Do you know that God wants to use your way of life to speak with clarity? He wants to use your way of life to speak with clarity. That God in His goodness would have an expectation that not only would we say the right things, that we do the things that honour Him. That the way that we live reflects Him. And it's tested when nobody else is looking. It's tested in how we act at the workplace when nobody is observing. I learned what not to do at McDonald's when I worked there for a few seasons. I don't know how many guys I saw jump into the toilets carrying a bag of nuggets underneath their shirts. It's ridiculous. We used to go through so much Mac sauce before you could buy it at Coles. 
who we are and the way we live gives God room to move and cut between the crowd. Your way of life matters. And it's okay for God to put His finger on the pulse and to touch what we're doing in our day to day. He wants to speak between the crowds. The other thing that jumps out to me in this Scripture is it says that they were mending their nets. It says in verse 2, He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets or mending their nets. We know already that Simon has said they'd been out fishing all night and had not caught a thing. Had not caught a thing. Imagine being out in the cold, biting air, working with everything you can so that you can get your livelihood and nothing has shown for it. I've got nothing. It's so easy to come back to the shore. And I don't know about you, there would be a part of me that would wanna just throw the nets to the side and go and leave it. But there's something to be said for those that would go back again. Consistency is king. That even though they come back maybe disappointed and discouraged and let down and things did not work out the way that I wanted and I thought I'd have this bumper harvest, that they're still doing what they need to do to prepare for what was to come. For God to fill our boat, consistency makes a difference. Doing what we know we need to do. For you, for me. I don't know about you, but I get my buttons pushed so easily by my children. We've got my littlest Flynn at the moment. He's our wild one. And he's practising rebellion on two feet. And he catches me sometimes at the worst moments. And all I want to do is react. But there's something to be said for saying, consistently, I'll respond instead of reacting. There's something to be said for choosing to say, this is what I'll do even before pushed to a moment of pressure. Consistency builds in the Kingdom of God. And you might feel like you're washing nets. You might feel like you're mending something. You might feel like there's nothing to it. But over time, that positions us for God to fill our boat. He wants to cut between the crowd. He wants to work with us through the consistency of mending our nets. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. The other thing that jumps out to me in this Scripture is that Jesus has the audacity to send them out again. He sends them out to the deep water. I don't know if you've been out to the deep water. I remember when Rian and I were learning to bodyboard together, all of 18 years old, and we'd jump out and we'd get past the breakers and you were out in the deep water where you could not see the bottom and we'd start talking about sharks. I would start talking about sharks. I would start talking to the woman who loves watching shark movies 
and feels that that is a great pastime that I can't stand and we would be out past the breakers in the deep water talking about sharks. And I don't know if you've been out there in those deep places where you can't see anything. You have to trust. There's a certain expectation that needs to let go. And I think it's significant that Jesus would call them to fill their boats to go out to the deep water. You know, the Scripture says that we should walk by faith and not by sight. That it's so easy to want to trust when we feel something firm underneath our feet. But often what God would want to do is to lead us out beyond ourselves. And it's in going beyond ourselves that He adds to fill our boat. I don't know if you've ever felt like that, that you're past the point of no return. You know, there's a portion in Scripture, a fantastic book called Ezekiel, where Ezekiel has a vision of the temple of God and he sees a river going out from the temple, but the further that you walk out from the temple into this river, the deeper the water gets. Scripture also says that deep cries out to deep, that God wants to do something in the deep places. And more and more for me, my prayer time becomes deep work time where God's unearthing things, revealing things, hoping that I would take hold of Him in the midst of it. Allow God to do the deep work because as you allow Him to do the deep work, He takes your boat out and positions you to fill it. The other thing that jumps out to me is what Peter says to Jesus When Jesus has the audacity to say, go out, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered in verse five, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down your nets. I don't know about you, but I may position that but somewhere else. Master, but we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Full stop. I don't know if you've ever answered God like that. I don't know if you've ever been tempted to when God is leading you out and stretching you out that a but would enter in. That but would be the answer. And the position of this but I think is significant because I think Simon Peter had the opportunity to say but God and put a stop on what God wanted to do. That the position of your but makes a difference. Gotta work your butt. I'm just playing with it now, I'm sorry. But, but we didn't catch anything. But we didn't catch anything. But, 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 but we'll do it. But we'll do it. How do you respond to opposition? How do you respond when you feel like things aren't going the way that you expected? Where is your butt positioned in those moments? To fill your boat. It's okay to acknowledge things did not work out the way I expected. It's okay to say to God, I positioned myself here, but I didn't get what I expected. It's okay to process disappointment. It's okay to be confronted with discouragement and not bottle it down. It's okay to talk to Jesus and say, this sucks. It's okay 
But what do you do with it? Peter's response, Simon Peter's response was, but I will go out. But I will not stay here. But I will not make an excuse. But I will not say no. But I'll move. But because you say so, because you say so. All of that comes out because He allowed Jesus to enter His way of life and cut through the crowd so that He could hear what Jesus was saying to him. But you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. You know, as God fills your boat, I believe He wants to set up divine partnerships, divine appointments. I think it's significant that Jesus found Simon in his vocation. He was a fisherman by trade. Jesus does not take him out of that. Jesus meets him in that and blesses him. Whatever you do, as you do it in a way that honours God, it's the heart of God that He would add to it. And as He adds to it, you're called to share the blessing with others. That He invites divine partnerships, relationships, things that go beyond liking the same movie, things that go closer to a heart connection because as they follow God, as you follow God, there's a building up and they get to share in what God has for you. That's the beauty of the house of God. That God would wanna set up divine partnerships, divine relationships where we mutually build one another up, where your boat is filled, my boat is filled, their boat is filled and there's more than enough to go around. There's an abundance in the heart of God that He doesn't wanna just fill you up. He wants to fill up others through you, through the invitation that you give. Do you know that often the invitation for somebody's blessing is found in what God wants to work through you? Peter could have chosen to hold it all to himself and he would have sunk under the pressure. Instead, he invites partnership. Sometimes God wants to work so mightily, He wants to work through you and your invitation to others to experience what God wants to do in and amongst you. And so finally, we find our calling out of where Jesus finds us. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up to the shore left everything, followed Him. You know, I feel that God wants to call us out of what fills our boat. God wants to call us out of what fills our boat. You know, the dreams and the desires that He's given you, they're not dreams and desires that He wants to shut down. They're not things that exist apart from a relationship with Jesus. They're not things that, are relegated to the shelf as something that is not spiritual enough. God meets you where you're at and the things that fill your boat, He wants to work with and call you up and through. I think it's significant that on the most prosperous day of Simon Peter's business, he made a decision to follow Jesus. It was such a prosperous day that that business continued on even though he gave his life to following Jesus. 
We know that for a fact that when Jesus died and was buried in the grave, Peter went straight back to it. So I missed out on him for three years. He was not there for three years. Mending nets, pulling up. But obviously, God had blessed it so significantly that it operated even without His influence. You know, I don't believe that Jesus has any desire to call us out so that we become segregated, locked behind. Instead, He calls us in. What you are, where you are, and who you're connecting to. So that in that, as God fills your boat, can spill out into the lives of others. What is my calling? It's just to make room for Jesus, to cut between the crowd, to allow my way of life to give Him room to speak. What is my calling? Isn't it just to hear Him in the midst of that and be obedient? Say, yes, I'll go out to the deep water even though I didn't catch anything. What is my calling? As Jesus says, I say, yes. And He blesses it, and He increases it, and He extends it. But wherever you are right now, I encourage you, Jesus meets you there. Allow Him to fill your boat so that out of that abundance, you can bless, immerse, grace to flow in Jesus' name. Let me pray. Father God, I just thank You that wherever we are right now, that Lord God, we would make room for You in the midst of the crowd. Often it feels like there's so much going on around us. Often it's so hard to hear. It feels like we're turning dials on old school radios and just catching snippets of You. Father God, right now, would You speak to us individually and show us how to make room for You in our way of life? For some of us, it's going to be hijacking a commute, praying and saying, Lord, speak to me. For some of us, it's going to be as we enter into the door, as we go to go home and walk through the door, that we're going to grab the doorknob and say, Lord God, what do You want to say to me? Whatever it is, Lord God, would You cut through the crowd so we can hear what You want to say to us. Lord God, in the midst often of uncertainty and disappointment and things that would call others to pull back, would You, Lord, lead us to be people that go out to the deep? Father God, would we be people that have the confidence and the grace to say, Lord, take us out to the deep waters. Lord, show us what You have for us. Lord God, let us have the confidence to say, I'll put down the nets that we would not accept discouragement as a lie to hold us back, that we would not tolerate any assignment that says that we cannot be who we're called to be. And Lord God, out of that, would You meet us and call us up into You. In Jesus' Name. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.